We will, we will jump into the lesson. Lord God, we are, are so thankful that, that you give life, Lord, um, that you have chosen to show patience and kindness to sinners like us, Lord, um, so that we could come to know you um, and fear you and, and love you. Lord, we are so thankful that you led us to repentance um, and faith in you. And God, we, we do pray that we would honor you with the, the days that you give us, Lord. Um, help us to just continue to put our hope in you. And, and God, we, we do pray that you would be glorified in us. In Christ's name, amen. So... Check, check, cool. So I want to start our time just by, by remembering um, who is in charge of salvation. Um, you, you'll see at the top of your outline there that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's a, a phrase that you guys know, probably love. Um, and, and the first point there is that salvation is only by God's grace. Um, th this is really the, the foundation of any discipline that we could have. Um, we talk about the three basic EQ build disciplines. Um, you'll see a number of, at the top of each outline. Is this, is this topic about D1, D2, D3? Um, but there are not any disciplines that you and I can do to make us right before God. Um, and that's just really, really helpful to remember as, as we're about to look at a, a command, an imperative. Salvation is only by his grace. And then after salvation, we, we can talk about the life that he desires us to live. Um, anything else that we see in Galatians today um, any talk of the Christian life is completely dependent on God showing mercy, um, giving unearned favor to us. So I, I want you to listen to these gospel truths from Galatians 1 to 4. Um, and as, as you hear these, um, I want you to be thinking, what is God's part in my salvation? And what is my part in my salvation? So for guys in our fellowship group, you get to listen to him again. <laughs> um, we, we had been studying through the book of Galatians, and we just got to this section in Galatians 5 that we're going to spend most of our time in today. And so we, we kind of walked through this uh, last week. But here are gospel truths that I just tried to pull out every verse that said something true about what God, about the gospel. You'll hear what it says. Chapter 1, verse 4. Jesus, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Verse 6. I marvel that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, 
verse 14. Paul, speaking of him, of himself and his life, says, But when God, who had set me apart from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might proclaim him as good news among the Gentiles. Um, Paul's life, his ministry was defined by what God had done for him. Uh, chapter 2, verse 16, knowing that man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus. Even we have believed, Paul says with Peter, in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. But if we, while seeking to be justified in Christ, and he goes on, um, verse 20 of chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if, if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Chapter 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who bewitched you, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Verse 5, does he who provides you with the Spirit he who works miracles among you, do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He wasn't righteous. He was counted as righteous by God. Verse 8, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaimed the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of the faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. Verse 11, now that no one is justified by the law before God is evident for the righteous shall live by faith. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us in order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Verse 22, but the scripture has shut up everyone under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Verse 24, therefore, the law has become our tutor unto Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor, for you all are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Chapter four, verse three, so, we, so also we, while we were children, were enslaved under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. 
And because you are sons, God sent forth his, the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. But now, having known God, I, I think that's actually the first time that, that the believer is doing something active, having known God. Does the believer have a part now in salvation? Or rather, having been known by God? Again, it's, what is most important is that God is at work in salvation. How is it that you turn back again? Verse 419, my children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Chapter 5, verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, stand firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And then chapter 5, verse 13, for you were called um, over and over again in, in the book of Galatians leading up to this point, uh, Paul has emphasized there is nothing that you bring to the table. Um, God is the one who is at work in salvation. He is the one who is active in, in the saving of his people. Um, what do you and I have to offer? What do you and I have to bring? But he is good. He, he gives grace. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Salvation is only by God's grace. And, and then the, the second point there, God's grace is about more than salvation. Um, and go ahead and turn to Titus 2 if you're, if you're not there already. We're going to look at verse 11 to 14. Um, as we just heard what God has done for sinners like us in Galatians, uh, he has done everything, right? Um, it might be shocking that this next point says that God's grace is about more than salvation. Um, this, this passage in, in Titus 2 here is, is where we spent most of the lesson last month talking about personal holiness. Um, and on the front end of this week's lesson, I, I just want to ask you a question. Um, do you really love God's grace? Um, I, I think we all, all the time, love that we are given forgiveness, that we are given salvation. But we need to ask ourselves, do, do I love all that grace is about? Because I should. Let, let's go ahead and, and read verses 11 through 14. God's word says, for the grace of God has appeared. And, it, and it's appeared doing these few things. Bringing salvation to all men and instructing us that denying un, ungodliness and worldly desire, we should live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Looking for the blessed hope and, and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us 
that he might redeem us from all lawlessness and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. Do we really love God's grace? Um, do we love all that his grace is about? Then, then we love pursuing his instructions. Uh, because God's grace has appeared bringing salvation. Um, that, that's a statement that hopefully resonates with, with each of us. Uh, we have no hope apart from him, and he has appeared bringing salvation. His grace has appeared bringing salvation. And his grace has, a, has appeared instructing us. Uh, we, we need to direct our hearts to love his instruction what, what sort of instruction? Well, instruction for how to deny ungodliness. For how to deny worldly desires. For how to live godly today. We should love the commands that are given to the church. Uh, the imperatives, just like we love salvation. Uh, because they are both a demonstration of his good grace. So with that in mind, we're going to be spending the rest of our time looking at a specific instruction for believers to live by the Spirit. Um, and, and we're going to be jumping back and forth between Galatians 5 and Romans 8, just so you have a heads up. Um, so go ahead and turn to page 2 in your outline there. And you should see at the top, live by the Spirit. The, the first things I, thing I want to look at is kind of right in line with what we've already heard, but it is the prerequisites for living by the Spirit. Let's go ahead and turn to Romans 8. The, the first thing that you need to have uh, bef before you can um, live by the Spirit is, is you actually have to belong to Jesus. Um, that is the prerequisite. You are positionally either in the flesh or in Jesus. And Romans 8, 1 to 4 says the same thing that we just heard from Galatians chapters 1 through 4. Uh, you had no ability to save yourself. But there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That, that is the best news. Verse 2 says that the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. What you couldn't do, what the law could never do to make you right before God, God did, according to verse 3. Sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. If, if you are in Christ... There is no condemnation. If you are in Christ Jesus, you've been set free from the law of sin and death. Has God fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law in you, for you? Um, through his son offered in your place. That is the prerequisite for walking according to the spirit, for living according to the spirit. You, we, we can't do it for ourselves. Look at, look at verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh, those ones, 
set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. The first question you have to ask is, are, are you according to the Spirit? And if so, then we must set our minds on the things of the Spirit. If, if we aren't, we must be saved. We need to hear and believe the gospel. Uh, verse 6, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh are not able to please God. Believer, if God has saved you, then you can please him. You can turn from sin. You can, you must resist temptation. Pursue what would bring God glory. You are positionally his, and, and now, because of that, you can practically live for him. Okay, so we're going to jump from here over to Galatians 5 and be there for a big chunk of our time. So if you want to keep a piece of paper or a bookmark in Romans 8, we are going to come back to Romans 8. Number two, I want to look at the, the evidence of fleshly desires. So in verse 16 here, we, we see that the main command it's really the topic for the whole rest of, of chapter 5, is the command, walk by the Spirit. Um, for now, we're actually going to jump past that, that main phrase, that main command. Um, and we are going to look at what the Spirit produces and, what, and the desires of the flesh, um, what the desires of the flesh produce. So let's read, let's start in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So if, if the prerequisites are met, if you belong to Christ, then obey this command. Um, obey this command to walk by the Spirit, and then you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So this is, this is a really emphatic statement here. Um, you, because of the obedience to the command, shall not carry out the desire of the flesh. You shall not carry out this, this desire. The second half here isn't, isn't actually a second command, but it's a promise. Um, obey this, and, and this will be the result. Um, verse, verse 16 here is, is really helpful because it, it reminds us that the battle for holiness, um, the fight against sin, the pursuit of glorifying God, begins at the heart level. Um, this is a shepherding your heart issue. This is why this lesson is in Discipline 1. Paul, Paul doesn't actually start here with addressing the deeds themselves. Do you see that? Um, we'll get there in just a few verses. He doesn't address the sin that is easily sin on, seen on the outside um, first, but the desire. Um, it's interesting to note here the singular desire of the flesh here in verse 16 and 17. Do you see that? The flesh, 
which, which isn't just like this physical stuff. Um, the flesh here in, includes the mind, it includes the will, the emotions, all of you apart from Christ's work in you. Um, that flesh has a desire. And that desire is set against the spirit, according to verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you do not do the things you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. What's, what's implied here in verse 17 is that the spirit has a desire also, right? The flesh and the spirit have opposing desires. They're against each other. And, and this spiritual conflict is, is real, and it goes on. Um, one commentator said, so long as we remain in this present life, we never outgrow or transcend the spiritual conflict Paul was describing in this passage. Uh, there is no spiritual technique or second blessing that can propel the believer onto a higher plane of Christian living where this battle must no longer be fought. It goes on. The flesh is just against the spirit. Um, and, and that's something we should expect to go on. It's a battle we should expect to continue to fight in ourselves. Uh, but there is so much hope here for the one who is now in Christ. You were a slave to sin. There was nothing that you could do about it. Now, you are led by the spirit, verse 18. Now, it, it's interesting. Watch Watch how Paul changes the vocab in verse 9. Um, we're still talking about flesh versus spirit, but instead of the word desire, um, something that is internal, he now addresses the deed, the, the external, the visible thing that has been done by the sinner. Look, look at verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. The, des the desire of the flesh might not be evident. It might not be easy to see at first. But these actions, um, these deeds that originate from the, that same sinful flesh, they are clearly seen. They are easy to identify. Um, they are now obvious, is, is what is the translation that a, that a, few, a few translations give that, that, which is, I think, really helpful. These are obvious deeds. I think we should really look at these deeds that are evident as evidence. Um, they are evidence of desires that need to be addressed. Um, it's really easy to see that these things, these actions are bad. Um, they are wrong. But really, these things all flow from a desire that is against the Spirit. As, as we read through this list, it's good to remember that this is not an exhaustive list. It, it is not covering every sinful deed. Um, but based on the context, I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself, what desires are behind this sin? Um, maybe you can narrow it down to one single desire that is behind all of these types of sinning. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident. 
they are obvious, which are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, there's a, a couple more on the list that's in front of you that, I, that I've added from verse 26. Having vain glory, challenging one another, envying one another, right in line with these deeds. What are all of these things about? Um, well, as, as one person in our fellowship group said last week, I, I think they are all about self. Self-satisfaction, self-glorification. My desires need to be fulfilled. I'm going to take things into my own hands. I'm going to do things my own way. These, these, our, our desire for self-satisfaction, for self-glorification, any of our wants and our desires are, are just bad masters. Uh, they once ruled you, believer, but they are to do so no more. Your life is, is not supposed to be about yourself. It is to be about God's glory. When, when we say, see sin, we should ask what desire was behind that? What desire was behind me speaking harshly? Well, I was, I was angry. Uh, why was I angry? Well, because I had an expectation that wasn't met. Whose expectation wasn't met? Mine. Um, I really thought that what I wanted was good. And, and somebody not taking my desire into consideration was offensive to me. The, the first problem that I need to address is, is a love of myself. Um, that, is, that is in the place, <laughs> a love for myself is in a, in a place that just doesn't belong to me. It shouldn't belong to me. God is in control. He is good. His ways are good. What am I? What are, what are my desires? What are my expectations? Nothing. I should have remembered truth. Uh, I should have trusted him. If we are remembering truth about who God is, uh, what he has done, what he has said, sin, sin just isn't logical. but we have to remember, we have to think about these things. We have to ask questions of ourselves and not trust our desires. Are we being ruled by wants, by desires, or by truths? We should all be about the glory of God, right? And that, that's exactly what we see the Spirit being about in our, in our next few verses. Look down at what the at the produce of the life led by the Spirit.
in contrast to the various, the obvious deeds of the flesh that flow from, I, I think, desires for myself. The Spirit produces its own fruit in the lives of believers. Uh, this fruit is similar to the, to the deeds of the flesh in that it is visible. Um, it isn't mystical or, or hidden fruit, but it is his work put on display. It's evident. Um, and it's amazing because when we think about this fruit in its context, um, in, the, in the context of us having nothing good to bring to the Lord, being completely unable to make ourselves right before him, these are things that we, sinful man, we just are unable to produce apart from his grace in your life. All of this fruit, all of these visible characteristics that flow out of a life led by God's spirit are in line with what the spirit has already done in the believer. Um, according to Galatians, this spirit at work in you is, is tied to hearing with faith over and over again through the book of Galatians. This is how, this is how you received the Spirit in verses, chapter 3, verse 2. That is how they are to continue towards perfection, chapter 3, verse 3. Every work of the Spirit that they were familiar with was by hearing with faith, chapter 3, verse 5. This is how Gentiles were brought into the promise of the Spirit through faith, chapter 4, verse 6. And through the Spirit, by faith, we are presently waiting for the hope to come, chapter 5, verse 5. Overwhelmingly in Galatians, the Spirit is tied to faith, um, to trusting submission towards God, to truth about Him, um, faith, faith in His promises, faith in His instructions. Um, and, and I'm convinced that this fruit flows out of that same faith, um, it's in line with that same loving, trusting submission to God. Um, here, here are some evidences of God's spirit working in the life of a believer. Uh, the first one was up in verse 16, actually. Not carrying out the desires of the flesh. The spirit produces a love for God. Um, and the flesh is all about self. Those two things are just at odds. It makes sense that we would, being led by the Spirit, not carry out the desires of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, as we just think through this list, there, there's space for you to, to write to the side. Um, love is the opposite of a, of a self-focus. I think it's fitting that it, that it came at the top of the list because it is opposed to what myself loves, what my flesh loves. It is trusting God with whatever he gives. Myself is not to be the worry. But there is a desire for the good of someone else. Um, this is a self-sacrificial care for others. Joy, um, that is satisfaction found in whatever the Lord would give you. 
because your satisfaction is in him. Uh, my delight is not tied to my fleshly desires being met, but it is tied to Jesus. And knowing what I deserve, knowing his grace to me, how could I not be thankful? How could I not be filled with joy? I can call him Father. Peace. I can trust him. I don't need anything else. Patience. That, that is steadfast endurance or long-suffering. I know he bore with me, right? I know what he rescued me from. I can trust him to work in the life of my friends, to work in the lives of, of my family. And if nothing else changes, if, if nothing changes at all in the circumstance, I can trust in him. Um, Thomas Watson says, patience is a cheerful submission of our will to God. And then a paraphrase is knowing that what God does is good. And, and not just good, but the best. So I should cheerfully submit myself to his will. Kindness. Just think, hasn't he dealt kindly with you? His kindness stepped in and led you to repentance. Actively led you to repentance. That is the kindness of the Lord. Romans 2.4 Trust in him. Trust in him leads me to, to pursue the good of others. And, and even the holiness of others. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. What could the flesh have, have anything to do with these things? The Spirit loves to produce God-glorifying faith. Um, if trusting in the Lord, desiring to, sim, to see Him glorified is what rules me, not my fleshly desires, then my selfish desires need to be put under, self, under control. That last, that last characteristic is self-control. So that I do what I know to be right, not what I feel. Uh, we, we fight what we feel with what we know. Through faith, the Spirit produces glory for God. The flesh has been crucified. The believer walks and step with the Spirit, and the believer does not live for self-glory. That's what the rest of the passage says. Um, let, let's go ahead and jump down to our, our last section, the mechanics of living by the Spirit. Um, in verse 16, we, we have the command. This is the imperative. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Paul wants believers to live a certain way. Uh, not, not according to themselves, but according to what the Spirit produces. Verse 25, there's a really similar statement, um, but it isn't actually a command. It's an if-then statement. If we live by the Spirit, 
let us also walk by the Spirit. If the first is true, the second can and needs to be pursued. Has God's Spirit made you alive? Has he given you life? Then, then walk by his Spirit. Um, you might still wonder, how do I do my part in this? Um, I get that the flesh produces these things, that the Spirit produces these things. So how do I obey this command? Is walking by the Spirit some mystical thing? Is it a, a let go and let God lead sort of command? Um, do I need to, to hold tight and keep praying until I, until I have a, a feeling that I, can, that I can trust in and follow? No. Um, there, there is clarifying instruction given in Romans 8, which I think is so helpful. Um, go ahead and, and turn back to Romans 8. You could also look at all of Colossians 3, which, which we're not going to do this morning. Um, but I think Colossians 3 says the same thing with, with maybe even more detail. Here is, is the way to apply the information you've been given. Truth is meant to be believed. It's meant to be acted upon. And here is how you can act upon what you know about the deeds of the flesh, living according to the Spirit. Starting in verse 12, Paul says, So then, brothers, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if... By the Spirit, you are putting to death the practices of the body. You will live. For as many as are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. How can I pursue living according to the Spirit? Well, I, I need to know what the deeds of the flesh are so that I can actually wage war against them. Um, there, there is a sense in which you are a new creation and those old desires are crucified if you are a believer. That's what Galatians 5.24 says. Um, there is a positional reality at here. You are in a new position. You do have a new nature. But even though the flesh has lost its ultimate power over you, it can't influence your eternal state before the Lord. The flesh does remain present and it, and it continues to try to influence you. Um, Romans 8.13 says, you can presently be putting to death the deeds of the flesh. You can be identifying sin. You can be pursuing what is right and pleasing to the Lord at the heart level, at the desire level. Lord, help me to remember what you have said. Help me to believe what you have said. Help me to trust that you are enough. That, that you are actually what is good for me. Anything that you give is right for me. Help me to not take matters into my own hand, to do things my way, to go after what I want, but to trust in you. Um, 
We, we need to trust the Lord in the outcome. And we also need to trust the Lord in the meantime um, as, as we just follow what, what he gives. Um, love, love what he prescribes. Uh, part of trusting him means suffering and it ends in glory. You can see that, that spirit-led life on display in Romans 8 there. We, we must remember what is true. Don't give space for the deeds of the flesh um, by actually attacking the desires of the flesh that are behind those things. Um, seeking to love and pursue and grow in faith and love for the Lord's glory. Um, the the hope that believers have as they obey and as they wait is, is the last thing I want to look at with you guys. Verse 22 here in, in Romans 8 says, For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but we also, we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. Uh, we were saved by him as, as we hoped in him. And as we press on, that, that's what we continue to do. We, we continue to hope in him. We still hope in him. Verse 24, for in hope, we have been saved. But hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he already sees. But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we eagerly, we wait eagerly for it. Um, here, here is just a huge comfort. The, the same God who saved us is still presently at work. We are called to seek him he, he is the only reason that, that we can cry out, Abba, Father, and he continues to intercede for us so, so that we actually don't have to live in, in fear that there is something else out there that we need to find out before we can live a life that is pleasing for him today. Um, I, I don't need to keep looking for an answer that he hasn't already revealed before we just trust him and seek to live for his glory today. Uh, verse 26 says, in the, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. There, there's a lack of, of knowledge here, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The, the Spirit here meets us at, at our biggest need. We, we don't know exactly how we are supposed to pray, and, and we just cry out. We, we do pray. We do seek him. And the Spirit intercedes for us. Verse 27, And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Men, 
live by the Spirit. Um, pray according to what the Spirit would love to produce in you, according to God's promises. Trust the Lord. The Spirit intercedes for you even as you are seeking the Lord in prayer. That this is a, a lifelong battle and that, and that could be discouraging. Hopefully it's, it's encouraging because the, the one who gave you life is the one who's sustaining you in it. Actively pursue holiness and flee from sin. Remember what God has done to save you. Remember what he loves to produce in his people and pursue those things. Be against what the flesh would love to produce in you. Pursue faith. Strengthen your faith by remembering what's true. Find hope in how the Lord will work all things to good according to his purposes to make you more like Christ. Um, by, by God's grace, he will do what only he can do, and he will bring glory to his name through his work in you. Let, let's pray. Lord God, we are thankful for your mercy, Lord, and, and I do pray that, that as we think about what you have done, um, what, what only you could do, Lord, to save sinners like us, uh, to give us salvation, to adopt us so that we could call out Father. Lord, we, we pray that those truths would propel us to, to loving obedience to your commands. Lord, help us to, to love everything that you say. Um, help us to seek you in your word, Lord, and, and, and may you produce glory for yourself as we long to be faithful to you in these days. God, be with our time together as we, as we get to care for each other in discussion group. Lord, I, I pray that you would be glorified. Lord, I, I do pray that you would be with us as we seek to bring you glory today in Christ's name. Amen.